What do they say? Good things will come to those that wait. Thank you so much for all your patience getting some breaking news into us at this hour. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of the Trish Regan Show. Breaking right now. It's official. The family members are getting subpoenaed. Finally, in this whole Hunter Biden, possibly Joe Biden, Biden Inc. alleged scam Good to have you here, everyone. We're brought to you, as always, by our good friends at LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. If you're interested in investing in gold, we've got a lot to talk about, but first, straight to the video right here. James Comer, head of the House Oversight Committee, just moments ago, signing those subpoenas. Okay, so the subpoenas are coming through for Hunter Biden and for James Biden and for Rob Walker. You're like, who's Rob Walker? Was that like one of the LLCs? No, that was Robinson Walker. Rob Walker is one of the friends, one of the business associates that works with these guys. And they are being now subpoenaed for what their role may have been in this alleged family business operation. So the House Oversight Committee, you see James Comer there, he's been out in front of this thing all along, is requesting also, I should point out at this moment, transcribed interviews from James Biden's wife, Sarah Biden. So again, James is the brother. Remember James and Sarah and that check for 40K? I think there was another one for $200,000 to Joe Biden. And the Democrats have been saying, oh, no, no, no. Those were just loans that they were paying back. Well, House Oversight Committee wants to get to the bottom of that one. So James Biden's wife, Sarah Biden, President Biden's daughter-in-law, Haley Biden, she would be the widow of Beau Biden, who was, you know, the, the son, unfortunately, who passed away and then somehow wound up this woman with, with Hunter. So I guess this is what gets her embroiled in all of this. If that's the case, again, allegations, 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 allegations that you know we need to get to the bottom of. And then there's Hunter Biden's wife, Melissa Cohen, as well as Haley Biden's older sister, Elizabeth Secundi. So um, a number of transcripts being requested at this moment. But Rob Walker, the business associate, James Biden, Hunter Biden now all being subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee because financial records that have been collected by this committee are rather significant. They collected records that suggest, uh, per their findings, again, here's the $200,000 check that went to Joe Biden, courtesy of Sarah and James. It is said to be repayment for a loan. But according to House Oversight, well, they've got some, what, $1 million in payments from accounts related to Walker, possibly Rob Walker. Those records were revealing somehow that Haley Biden had received a payment from Walker's account, Robinson Walker, for $25,000 in March of 2017. Walker allegedly worked at uh, some kind of operation that was trying to siphon off money from these various entities overseas. In particular, again, according to the allegation, was directly involved with CEFC. This is a Chinese energy firm. Now, I should point out that um, he that that's a matter of fact. He, he was working on some kind of joint venture called Sinohawk, Sinohawk Holdings, which was this supposed to be, meant to be a partnership with the Chinese energy firm, CEFC. It's now defunct. It was like, you know, they were, they were working with like these big shot energy guys in China. Such a big deal that, you know, <laughs> apparently one of the guys like showed up in Florida, according to House Oversight, with a diamond that he gave to Joe Biden's son. Hunter, I mean, like, I mean, getting diamonds and Porsches. I mean, wow, this is quite a business, right? Anyway, we already know there are all kinds of tax problems. I mean, he, he pled guilty to that only to not plead guilty, right? When it turned out that little plea deal wasn't quite what he thought. So a lot of questions right now, including, as Joe Biden said, so wonderfully stated, where's the money? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. President, a bunch of malarkey. Mr. President, what do you Hmm. I don't know. James Comer doesn't think so. Right? James Comer thinks there's a little there there. You get all these IRS agents that are out there saying, we didn't understand, like, what was going on. You get these whistleblowers, right? A few of them. 
who have now testified before Congress. And they were like, we didn't get it, right? Because David Weiss, he was the attorney on this thing. And we thought that we could move forward with charges in Delaware. We thought we could move forward with charges in California, only to get shut down repeatedly. David Weiss was testifying this week. And it's come out that a lot of people in Congress right now believe that that actually was to be the case. Even though David Weiss was like, no, no, I could do, I had free reign. I could do what I wanted to do. They're saying, eh, didn't really seem as though that was the case. We heard that certainly in the testimony between the whistleblowers and Comer earlier this year. Associates created over 20 shell companies, most of which were created when Joe Biden was vice president and raked in over $20 million between 2014 and 2019. We've also identified nine Biden family members who have participated in or benefited from these shady business schemes. Now, what were the Bidens selling to make all this money? Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden is the brand. And Joe Biden showed up at least two dozen times with business targets and associates sending signals of access, influence, and power to those prepared to pay for it. The American people demand accountability for this culture of corruption. They demand to know how these schemes have compromised President Biden and threatened our national security. They demand safeguards to be put in place to prevent public officials from selling access to their public office for private gain. Under the leadership of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, House Republicans have now opened an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. By opening an impeachment inquiry, our investigation is now focused on whether President Biden engaged in impeachable offenses (laughs) under the U.S. Constitution. It empowers Congress, elected by the people, to continue providing the answers, transparency, and accountability that the American people demand and deserve. In recent history, Democrats inflicted much damage on the credibility of congressional investigations by peddling the Russian collusion hoax. But this committee, under this majority, will not pursue such witch hunts based on manufactured allegations, innuendo, and no real evidence. Today, the House Oversight Committee will examine over two dozen pieces of evidence revealing Joe Biden's corruption and abuse of public office. This includes emails, text messages, bank records, and testimony of Biden business associates. Okay, so we know that there's some, like, what, 5,000, no, what am I saying? 82,000, there were 5,000, that's what the National Archives records originally told us, and then they came forward. So actually, no, there's like 82,000 emails where Joe Biden was using an alias to conduct private business. So somebody's got a big project ahead of them in terms of figuring out what was actually in those 82,000 emails and all those various aliases and why he was using those aliases, because the the assumption is somehow that there was something uh, rather intriguing going on and, and very profitable potentially going on. Again, allegations. But don't we deserve to know the answer to this one right now? I mean, good for Comer, because we need to know. Like, I'm sorry, but like, America's not for sale. I mean, maybe it is. Hey, look, maybe maybe I'm the naive one, right? Like, maybe that's what this is all about. I mean, who the heck would ever go into politics anyway? I look at it and say, what a thankless, awful, miserable job that is, right? They tear you and your family apart. They go after you. You're a public figure. You don't make any money. Let's be honest, right? Like, you're not real. Oh, but maybe you do. I mean, like, that's what that's what I'm missing out on. Like, there's got to be some benefit, right? Unless they're just power hungry, greedy, God knows what. I mean, why would you stay in politics for 50 years, sir? Okay, ego, ego, ego. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, you do have to support the family. And uh, how do you support the family on a senator's salary with all those private schools and those fancy colleges and clearly, you know, some serious habits by way of Hunter? Well, Hunter figured out how to do it. You just sell dad. You just sell pop, right? That's according to Devin Archer, who was also part of the business and has come forward and admitted that. That is exactly what they did. He also testified to the House Oversight Committee. And then he sat down in an interview with my former Fox colleague, Tucker Carlson, and said, yeah, you know, like it's family business. What were we selling? We were selling Joe Biden. I mean, that was, to me, at least how I interpret it, effectively saying we sold access. Because Joe Biden shouldn't be for sale. But if you're selling the Biden brand, then you're selling this perception of access to America. And you go around the world and you do that enough times and you pocket enough money and you don't actually register as a foreign agent and you don't actually pay your taxes on this stuff. And I think that that's actually something that you ought to be held accountable for. I mean, just to to start with, and Comer said it 
in that little speech there. He said, basically, look, we can't have people selling their public office. I mean, there's just way too much of a conflict of interest. I mean, most politicians, they kind of wait till after, right? Obama, at least he waited until after to buy this $7 million house on Martha's Vineyard and to do all his fancy speeches at some insane price, right? And hang out with his Hollywood friends. He knew that was coming after. Even Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton has made a killing, right? And, and he's selling access kind of all over the world. I've told you guys this. I remember being at a CGI event and being like, okay, well, this is sort of weird because, you know, you get all these Nigerian billionaires suddenly. And, and why are they here? Like, what's going on? And they, they're buying, like, effectively a photo op, right, with Bill Clinton. They're buying legitimacy. And that's what CGI, the Clinton Global Initiative, effectively was doing. I mean, hopefully it was doing some good. Hopefully they helped some people along the way. But it was certainly helping out the Clinton family. They had to make some money. You know, Hillary's law career wasn't exactly paying much back in Arkansas. Uh, so, look, but they all waited until after. This guy's just allowing his family, James, his brother, allegedly. And, well, I mean, his brother was a lobbyist, right? That really shouldn't really be allowed, thank you very much. And his son to be right out there on the take. So way to go, James Comer. We need this information we need to know what was going down. These family members need to testify. And hey, Trump's family had to, right? With uh, Letitia, whatever her name is there in New York. I mean, this woman, frankly, this woman in New York, the Attorney General, Letitia James, she, I, she, her conflict of interest is so incredibly severe. Like, I don't even know how this is allowed legally, right? When you go out and you campaign, on this idea that you are going to get Trump, which is what she told us over and over and over and over again, and said on the campaign trail, then how is it that you're, you're really a lot? I mean, do we not have any, any semblance of decency left in American politics? So she's out there. Ivanka Trump is testifying today. It's behind closed doors. Her father's not too happy about this. You know, his son's had to testify. None of this is really frankly fair in that there isn't even a case i'm just gonna like look of all the cases this one at least from a business perspective strikes me as really out there and actually kind of scary because it's so out there because it shows like if they just want to go after you they can just go after you right there doesn't actually have to be any damages like normally in a legal situation there actually have to be damages in this case trump is alleged to have said you know mar-a-lago and this that and the other they were worth one thing and the attorney, the, the attorney general, Letitia James, is saying, no, 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 they weren't worth that. And therefore, you were fraudulent. You lied on those loan applications to Deutsche Bank, even though he said, you know what, you got to do your own diligence here. And all those disclosures were there. And like, look, they're big boys over at Deutsche Bank. They ought to be able to like figure out what anything is worth and determine whether or not it is worthwhile to make a loan based on knowing those are his assets. And so Deutsche Bank concluded it was worth taking the risk. And guess what? He paid back the loan and people made money. <laughs> and yet Letitia James is in there dragging Ivanka into court, dragging Eric, dragging Don Jr. And of course, the former president himself. So interesting that this happens today, right? Is this, I don't even think it's tit for tat. I mean, I think the timing is kind of interesting for sure. But look, you know, two can play that game. Can they not? And Comer actually has a leg to stand on here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is pretty outrageous. When you look at these bank records, you're like, how the heck do they have so many LLCs? I mean, that's not normal to have that many different LLCs. You're really separating your business at that point. And how is it that like Haley Biden is getting paid from one of the LLCs? And how is it that, that Joe's brother, James, owed him $200,000, as they tell us? Like, isn't James the one with the career, not Joe? Like, Joe's really just piling up his money and, and James has to pay him back. That's a loan repayment. Is it a loan repayment or is it, is it for the big guy? That's what we need to get to the bottom of. You know, I have my own sort of personal view on this and I, I think it's pretty scummy, actually. It's, it's kind of lousy. Like, I feel like the whole, the whole 
pretty bow that Washington DC was once tied up in, like in, in my imagination, right? Like as a little kid growing up and, and believing in America as, as just a super patriot, kind of thinking that politicians were doing the right thing and that they were in it for the right reasons. And, you know, you grow up and you realize, oh, not the case, but I think it's gotten actually especially bad here in the United States of America because we look so increasingly like, in my estimation, like a banana republic, like one of those really bad countries. And you know what? It doesn't help when you get people like Jimmy Carter out there having said from the very beginning when Trump was first elected president that it was all a shame. Remember? There's no doubt that the Russians did interfere in the election. And I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election, and he was put into office because the Russians interfered on his behalf. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? <laughs> Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you realize this has been their MO from the very beginning. Jimmy Carter kicked this off. Hillary doubled down. I mean, like a few days later, a couple weeks later, whatever, she's on the Today Show saying, oh, you know, the election was stolen. And yet she's out making the rounds today trying to warn everybody. She's warning, whatever you do, do not elect Trump because the world will never be the same. I mean, hey, forget the fact that we might be now on the verge of World War III, that we have a border that's wide open, that we have an economy that is so driven by inflation that a Big Mac in some places costs you 16 bucks. Forget about all that, right? No, no, you just need to worry about the country because Donald Trump would be that bad. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, making her appearance on The View on ABC, which is about to go bye-bye, bye-bye, because, you know, well, all of television is about to go bye-bye. We can talk about that later with Disney. But anyway, here is Hillary Clinton on The View telling us the same old, same old. And The View, like, eating it up. Um, well, yeah. I think that your loss to Trump in um, 2016 will go down in history as one of the most pivotal times in our country, one of the most pivotal moments in our country. Um, and it's still reeling from, you know, Trump's policies, I think, um, and the deep divisions that he sowed in this country. Mm-hmm. What, in your view, would happen if he were to be reelected? Oh, I can't even I can't even think that because I think it would be the end of our country as we know it. And I don't say that lightly. You know, I hated losing and I especially hated losing to him because I had seen so many warning signals during the campaign. But I immediately said, look, we have to give him a chance. We've got to support, you know, the president we have. And I meant it. And I tried really hard. And then literally from his inauguration on, it was nothing but, you know, accusing people of things, making up facts, denying the size of the crowd at his own inauguration. And everything that I worried about, I saw unfolding. And so I I think that he'd be even worse now because he was somewhat restrained, believe it or not, in, in the first term by people who he hired mm-hmm. because he thought they would go along with him and they stood up to him. Mm-hmm. And so now he is going to, if he were ever near the Oval Office again, find people who have no principles, no conscience, who are totally tied mm. you know, to his fortunes, literally, mm-hmm. and therefore would do whatever he said. And so the, the wreckage is almost unimaginable. You know, when I was Secretary of State, I used to talk about one and done. And what I meant by that is that people would get legitimately elected and then they would try to do away with elections and do away with opposition and do away with a free press. And you could see it in countries where, well, Hitler was okay, duly okay, guys, elected. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to kind of stop her there because do away. Do you think that Trump was doing away with the free press? Seriously, was that what he was doing when, when, when the press was just all over him, like yelling at him all the time. No, that actually kind of proved that you could have a free press. The difference is now, and the difference is during the Obama days, you know what, if they didn't like where you were going with your questioning, they would just totally shut you down. Like they wouldn't call you out in public, right, for, for everybody to see because they don't actually want to look like they're restricting the press. No, you would get a letter 
sent to the head of your network or you would get uh, a phone call and, and it would be made very clear, like, we're, we're not appreciative of that. I remember when I first interviewed Barack Obama on the campaign trail. And, you know, I'm just a young reporter, like, trying to do my job, right? I'm out in the field. And I take a microphone. I, like, throw it up in his face as he's coming down from the podium. And I can't even remember what I asked him, but I asked him some question. He stopped for a minute, and he answered it. And all of a sudden, this guy who's, like, this, like, attack dog for Obama comes over to me. He's like, I can't believe you did that. Just so you know, you're never going to get an interview when he becomes president because we were not supposed to do that, blah, blah, blah. Like, huge, like, intimidate, but nobody saw that, right? The cameras weren't, and that was back in a day when we didn't always bring that stuff to you. People didn't have cell phones that were, like, recording this stuff all the time. So the difference is Obama had a very sneaky way of going about it. I mean, hey, his uh, his guy, right, his right-hand guy, Rhodes, Ben Rhodes, was quoted saying this, you know, you just kind of need to feed that information pool, and you put stuff out there with certain reporters, and they're talking to these other reporters, and oh, before you know it, they're all singing the same old tune, and that was what they were trying to do. So don't tell me that there was an effort to shut down freedom of the press when, let's be very clear, ladies and gentlemen, what happened to the press and actual press did get, in fact, shut down. And not only shut down, I mean, Donald Trump himself, who was then president, was shut down while, oh, I don't know, the, the Ayatollah of Iran, who, according to the Wall Street Journal, was in cahoots with Hamas, and I believe the Wall Street Journal, to orchestrate the attacks on 1,400 innocent people on October 7th in Israel. Yeah. When the Ayatollah gets to stay on Twitter, but no, the president of the United States is kicked off and you tell me, Hillary Clinton, that you're worried about the freedom of the press. I know when I'm worried about the freedom of the press, and frankly, it's not with him. It's with you. It's with a group of people that want to cancel out the other side. That's when I start to get worried because you told us over and over and over again, unlike what you just said right there, you kept telling us that the election was stolen. Gosh, I mean, you just said it recently again at some conference. Here, I've got the tape. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Boom, boom, boom. All right, that's an interesting tape. I just played an excerpt from it, but it goes on for like 10 minutes of Democrats insisting, and Hillary's in there multiple times, that the election was stolen. Stolen from the Russians until they figured out, oh, you know, maybe that's not going to fly. Maybe it was actually, what do you know, Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for opposition research courtesy of a law firm that contracted, subcontracted with that ex-British spy, Christopher Steele, who then went and subcontracted with somebody who the FBI even believed to be a Russian spy at the time. Like, that's how layered this thing was, right? And came up with that magnificent, dirty dossier, which they tried to tell us was true, which any normal person that read it would look at it and go, yes, this is not a piece of intelligence. Thank you very much. This is not written in any way that, that sounds like an Intel document, and, and my instincts at the time were exactly that. And yes, I was right. It turned out not to be true. None of it was true. And then, like, as you go through that time period... The problem the Democrats keep having is that, you know what, they'd tell us one thing and it turned out they were dead flat wrong because the truth was something else entirely. And so given that we've learned all that, it's interesting that they're trying to warn us of how awful, how awful, how awful things will be if Donald Trump were to become president. And believe me, they're worried right now because, hey, take a look at these polls, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump. Again, ahead in just about every poll that you see right now. So it's really kind of remarkable because they're like, oh, let's go after him. Let's go after him. We'll have all these indictments, all these, you know, he did this, he did that. He tweeted this, he did that. He, he, he you know, he, he's got to get kicked out of doing business in New York because, well, we've come up with some kind of crime, even though there's no damages. I mean, it goes on and on, right? And the fact that they're doing that actually puts a lot of people, and this is very interesting, Independence, especially in the position of saying, whoa, you guys are like out of control. And they are. I mean, they really are out of control. And so we kind of like need to reorganize our priorities. 
which is why I'm disappointed in what we saw happen last night. We're going to talk about this. Okay, Ms. Rana Romney uh, McDaniel. Like, I'm sorry. It's time for Rana to go. I'm talking about the head of the GOP, the head of the RNC. This is the woman who I think needs to show some accountability and some responsibility for the losses that we saw. So, you know, if, if you haven't been paying attention, there were some pretty significant losses in places like Ohio, Virginia, and Kentucky. Kentucky, where, gosh darn it, Biden lost by 25 points in the presidential election. I mean, like, there was no hope for a Democrat in Kentucky until now. Like, how, how did how'd they lose the governor race there? I mean, amazing, right? And amazingly bad. And people want to blame Trump. But, you know, Trump wasn't actually on the ticket. So that's when I just got to say, like, look, let, let's look at what's happened since Ron has come into action. And that would be eight governor races that she lost. That would be three Senate seats that she's lost, 19 House seats that she's lost, a presidential race that she's lost. And then we get Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia. I mean, Virginia, which had actually gone red, right? They elected a Republican governor two years ago. And the thinking, and it was because why? Oh, all the social stuff and you know, the way that they're controlling the schools and the educational system. Parents, like, they just want to have a say in their kids' education. And the schools are like, yeah, no, no, no. And parents were like, yes, yes, yes. And so that is why you have a Republican governor now in Virginia. And that was quite telling. And yet there was no funding for the Virginia legislature, which went to the RNC and said, look, we need help. We're going to lose these races. There was no game plan. I mean, I, I, from a strategy standpoint, what, what's she thinking? I know what she's thinking. There's this sort of uh, love-hate relationship with Donald Trump and MAGA and all this stuff, right? So you're either, like, on the team or you're not on the team, but it's very hard to, like, be walking this middle ground. And so she's trying to walk this middle ground because she's going to get all the money from all the big donors. And guess what? The big donors, they don't like him. Surprise, surprise. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, right? I mean, the the... The big donors are um, saying, oh, you know, like we, we want somebody that we can control. And this is why the Ron DeSantis's of the world look quite appealing because you he's bought and paid for, right? Like, I'm sorry, but Nikki Haley too. I mean, I like Nikki. Don't get me wrong. I'd take her, but <laughs> she's bought and paid for. Like all of these people that devote their careers to politics. Like I said, like, why would you do this? Really? Like what a dumb profession to be in unless there's some something that's really I mean maybe you really are that altruistic and you just want to give your life to this cause Mm. I mean maybe in the old days maybe you're just a total egomaniac I mean I think Trump was like and is right like that makes sense to me but he already had a business and he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to go around and like look out for handouts for everybody and beg and plead for money so he funded it himself, but the rest of them bought and paid for on both sides. I mean, Gavin Newsom, same thing. Look at what we're dealing with, Why, how I started the show on Comer's subpoenas, because it looks like the, the Bidens are bought and paid for. So a lot of these people have sort of, you know, kind of sort of sketchy backgrounds and it makes it less likely for them to maybe just have the conviction of themselves, the authenticity of themselves. And so that's what Donald Trump brought to the table in a very refreshing way. I think RFK does the same thing, right? That, that's why people are responding to RFK. And by the way, I cannot stand Bernie Sanders, and I'm disgusted by his comments on Israel. And I, I'm just disgusted in general with his Marxist communism and, you know, his two houses or three houses, whatever the heck he's got there in Vermont. But I would say that people respond to that authenticity because you get this feeling with Bernie that, like, he's just willing to let it all go to hell, right? Because he actually believes passionately in whatever his causes are. And I think that is what is missing right now. And so you get that in Donald Trump. It scares the donor class. And as a result, Rana McDaniels, McDaniel, forgive me, she isn't able to navigate this very treacherous territory. They need somebody in there who can actually really think strategy and say, okay, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm 
pro-life, but is this going to lose every single election for us? You look at what happened in Ohio. Like, do we need to be more thoughtful? We don't want to lose every single election going forward. And so, you know, you think about Trump's position on it, which actually has been far more, oh, how do I say, um, far more down the middle than, say, the likes of Ron DeSantis when it comes to, to that issue. And that's probably more electable even than Ron DeSantis. But Ron DeSantis is trying to play to, well, one, the donor class, and then two, the MAGA class, which, by the way, doesn't like him, so he should probably just give that one up. Really. I mean, like, you know, like, if you're going to run to the right of Trump, good luck. Good, good luck. But so now Ronna is going to go on stage tonight. You see, there's this big Republican debate that nobody cares about. Other than, you know, maybe we get to see Vivek entertain us a little bit more on stage. Vivek Ramaswamy, who also is using his own money. So he's interesting. He's young. He's smart. He's young, right? And and I say that in a way that I just think that he's probably got a great future, but he needs to develop some of the je ne sais quoi that you, you start to develop, right, if you've been out there for a while. And he'll get there, I think. But he, he needs a little, you know, he's still a little rough around the edges. So it, it's a sort of television event more than anything else. Are they competing for VP? Uh, some people have said, in fact, I think on MSNBC today, they were like, oh, you know, Nikki Haley's not going after Trump as hard as she should. And you know, why is it that Christie's the only one? I don't know, maybe because a big donor is giving Christie some kind of money to just be the attack dog. They're like, okay, this is you, this is you, this is you. So Vivek is is interesting. I'm laughing because one of you, Pamela, is saying, wait a second, there's a tonight, there's a debate tonight. I had no idea. Okay, my point exactly, right? Why does Rana McDaniel have a job? Like, how on earth can she be responsible for the Republican Party when she can't even get Trump to the debate? Not that he should, but like she's not gonna get him to the debate. She's got all these other people running against him, even though he is sort of the quote-unquote anointed one. She's got the big money donors that she can't seem to manage in conjunction with the MAGA crowd. And so the party's starting to splinter, and she's not winning. She's not winning. Like, at some point, if I'm the CEO of a company, like, I got to make decisions, right? But it's even more than that. Maybe we can compare it to Disney a little bit because Nelson Peltz, he's the activist investor that's watching Bob Iger and watching Disney stock just go like this. And he's like, uh-huh, yeah, no. Right, so he's out there buying parts of Disney and he's like, I am going to make this uh, succeed, Disney, in, in my way. And so Bob Iger's freaking out and now he's taking some steps and taking some moves and he just actually brought in the CFO of Pepsi to try and help get that company back on course. That's what you do, right? That is what you do because you've got to actually stop the losses. So that's what happens in corporate America. At the RNC, like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll take the money. We'll go have a great party. We'll have a good time. And Ronna keeps everybody happy, except she's not winning. So I don't know. I'm just kind of simple. I like to win. And to me, like, this record Eight governor races, three Senate seats, 19 House seats, presidential race, Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia. That tells me that Ronna, Romney, McDaniel is not coming up with a winning, winning strategy. And nothing against her, by the way. Like, she's a lovely woman. Nothing against her. It's just that we've got to get serious and we've got to get tough and we've got to know what works. We have to have our eyes on the ball. We actually have to organize. The Democrats are very good organizers. That's what the RNC has to do. You know what else the RNC has to do? It has to have enough lawyers so it can fight things where it needs to fight things appropriately so. It needs to make sure it's getting out the vote. I mean, hey, look, I know a lot of people just want to, like, give up and say, you know what? Mm, Those Democrats, they're cheating because they're doing this, that, and the other, and they're getting all their absentee ballots going. Well, I don't buy that because... It just is is ridiculous. The point is, like, they're better organized. They're actually getting the absentee ballots. If the absentee ballot system exists and you think you can go around from community to community and get people to send in their ballots because you help them to do so, well, then do it, okay? Like, use whatever legal means necessary 
to actually find a solution. This is what happens in regular corporate America. And you know, if Bob Iger doesn't figure it out over at Disney where they're spending, what, $330 on Snow, $330 million reportedly on the remake of Snow White, (laughs) which they decide to like back up by a year. If he doesn't figure it out, he's going to get fired because that's the way the real world works, right? I mean, hey, hate to break it to you. Anyway, I want to get to another story right now because as things continue to unfold in Israel, I'm continually amazed and distressed by the response that we're seeing. I read a poll today. It really shows that Americans are not really, I mean, they've become more so on the side of Israel since all of this happened, but they have not really sort of been there. The numbers were not that compelling And right now you're seeing sort of a division, a fissure within the Democrat Party itself because Rashida Tlaib, who is very pro-Hamas and very um, outspoken about that in a way that I think is actually pretty detrimental to her party and detrimental to this country and is in a way kind of sanctioning, if you would, the horror that had happened and sanctioning that, you know, it, it could possibly happen again. This is her. She got censured. Rashida Tlaib censured on the House floor, and, well, her response was to cry. I'll show you the clip. I can't believe I have to say this, but Palestinian people are not disposable. Ilhan Omar trying to comfort her. We are human beings, just like anyone else. My city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. The cries of the Palestinian and Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why? What? I don't understand. Is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. We cannot lose our shared humanity, Mr. Chair. Okay, so um, forget the fact that Hamas clearly has no humanity. Forget the fact that they hide their leaders beneath hospitals, beneath schools, which is a war crime, by the way, in and of itself. Forget all that. Forget the fact that they just slaughtered 1,400 innocent people. Like, the the, the idea that you would have Rashida Tlaib out there, and, I, you know, I get it. Like, she's from Palestine. But, like, somehow she just doesn't understand or sympathize with what Israel is going through, nor does she recognize the country in which she now lives, the United States of America, which, by the way, like, helped create Israel, okay? So there you go. You don't like it, leave. Go somewhere else. If anybody will take you, because think about that. Think about that, that the privilege that she has enjoyed living here as a U.S. citizen. Think about the fact that no one will take the Palestinians right now. I mean, Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. Saudis don't want them. And get a load of this. Iran. Iran does not want them. Iran, which orchestrated all of this. I'll tell you this. Iran has put itself in a very, very bad position. That's very clear. They thought. They thought. Oh, this is the time. We'll go for this. We'll have this massive attack. We'll scare everybody because we'll we'll basically show them we're a force to be reckoned with because we can unleash these terrorists. And that will cause everybody to say, forget the Abraham Accord, which, by the way, was a Trump thing and a Kushner thing. And they were trying to basically bring the whole Middle East together, right, with Israel. And they were shutting out Iran because nobody trusts Iran. Well, do you think anybody's going to trust you now, Iran? (laughs) Like, no, certainly not now. So now we get word today that the talks are now initiating again. And what this tells me is that increasingly you're going to see a push in the Middle East, which needs to happen, a push for a regime change, 
We don't want World War III, don't get me wrong, right? We don't want that. But we can, together collectively, with other allies over there, including Israel, including the Saudis, including other countries that we can work with who do not trust Iran, rightly so, work together to find a solution that really makes it less feasible for the Iranians to continue their terror. I would say this. I mean, what the heck are you doing? Giving them $6 billion. Hmm? Biden, what, what was that about? Or, or think about Barack. All that money being delivered in the middle of the night as a down payment on the billions more that, that he wanted to send with the whole Iran deal? I mean, wow. And then you have Barack Obama. I don't know if you guys saw it. You probably did. You're, you're up on your news. I know you are. Basically saying that this was an occupation of Israel. No, it's not Israel. Oh, forgive me. An occupation of Palestine. That Israel was occupying Palestine. Look, what choice does Israel have? If they come after you, what do you, you roll over and play dead? Is that the idea? Like you just, okay, like keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. You want to, you want genocide and we're going to just like volunteer for it. A message needs to be sent. Israel's sending that message, but what do they do now? They just like go away and say, forget about it. I don't think so. They have to stay there because as long as Hamas is in power, as long as you have terrorists running things, you're going to continue to have these security problems. And hey, like we, we could have the same problems here. By the way, Christopher Ray keeps warning us of that. Does he not? I mean, every time I hear him speak now, he's telling us that we need to be worried about Hamas-style attacks. Well, yeah. I mean, when you get kids in college campuses calling for Israeli genocide... Somehow, this has been normalized in a way that is not American, is not humane, and could lead us down a very, very bad path. And yet, the administration doesn't really seem to get that. I mean, you think about all the atrocious things that have happened, and and Kamala's answer is to create the committee or the task force on Islamophobia. I'm sorry, there was a a gentleman, this was awful, that was just killed. He had a brain hemorrhage after getting hit in the head by one of the pro-Palestinian protesters, and and he was Jewish, and the guy somehow hit him in a way that really clearly caused problems. He had a brain hemorrhage and died. And then you have the woman out in the Midwest who reportedly drove her car into a school that she thought was a, a, a Jewish kid's school, that's what she told the police. It's all alleged because they got to, you know, take her to court and this, that, and the other. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of anti-Semitism out there. We see it in Europe. We're starting to see it here. And it's sanctioned by Ilhan Omar, by Rashida Tlaib, by this Bowman guy who pulls the fire alarm every chance he gets. Let's see if I have that. I can show you this because not the fire alarm. I, I have showed you that, but I want you to hear some of what he had said, because this was really wild to me that the, you know, here's, it's just, it's, it's, it's shocking that, that this would ever be, I think this is it. If it's not, we'll see what it is. It's live TV, right? We are live, right? Mark, we're live. Um, <laughs> let's see. We should say finally that there are instances in the past where the Israeli military has said things in the immediate aftermath of an incident that have turned out not to be true in the long run. Forgive me, that was wrong. But it was a reporter on MSNBC reminding everybody in the very beginning, remember when the the headline in the New York Times, I took a lot of flack for this one, was that Israel had bombed a hospital in Palestine and the reporters were all out on TV, on the BBC, on CNN, on MSNBC, trying to say, well, you know, the Israeli, you know, they lie, they lie. You know, they're trying to say it was the Palestinians. And then it turned out that, yes, in fact, it was the Palestinians that goofed and bombed their own place. And, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the coming days, that was all revealed and, and made quite clear. But you have journalists 
that are on the side of Hamas right now. You have people in Congress on the side of Hamas. Heck, you got Bernie Sanders on the side of Hamas right now. And so there's a splintering that's happening, I think, and I hope, frankly, within the Democrat Party. I I do hope that some of the realists there, the 22 Democrats that voted to censure Rashida Tlaib, so rightly so, I hope that they come to their senses and they realize the impact that some of this nonsense, and by nonsense I mean CRT and DEI and all this junk that they're trying to feed kids, how it can result in this us versus them equation. And that's exactly what has happened between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And frankly, it's what's happening here. This whole idea that, you know, you can't possibly get ahead because of the color of your skin. It is so wrong. And by the way, it's, I, have to, I have to qualify that because the, the squad is not okay with Asians and, and Indians, right? Because those people are actually successful. They just want to go, you know, it's all about racial tensions, but you have to be like the kind, the kind that kind of is part of their crowd. It, it's, it's scary because as we think again about what Hillary Clinton was saying to The View and, and say, oh, you know, Donald Trump, he's going to suppress the press and he's going to make sure that, you know, his enemies are held accountable I'm sorry, he didn't do that to you, Hillary. He could have, he didn't. But what are you guys doing to him right now? Remember, this was her today on The View. Um, Well, I think that your loss to Trump in um, 2016 will go down in history as one of the most pivotal times in our country, one of the most pivotal moments in our country. Um, And it's still reeling from, you know, Trump's policies, I think. Um, and the deep divisions that he sowed in this country. Mm-hmm. What, in your view, would happen if he were to be reelected? Oh, I can't even, I can't even think that, because <laughs> I think it would be the end of our country as we know it. And I don't say that lightly. You know, I hated losing, and I especially hated losing to him. Because yeah, we, I- know, we, we know you hated losing. Yeah, we really hated losing. We know you hated losing so much that you then just went on a rampage and kind of got all your ammunition, so to speak, together, all your talking heads to support that. And then the ammunition continued. Think about how we were fed a narrative that the Hunter Biden laptop was all fake, even though everybody knew it wasn't, right? But they wanted to convince the American people of one thing instead of another. I mean, this just kept happening and happening and happening. And what has happened overall is that people have woken up. They've woken up. It's been the, the awakening, shall we say. Uh, can, can, can the right use that term? Like we're woke too, right? We've woken up to the reality of what these policies have really meant for people. And hopefully you're going to have more Democrats coming to their senses as well. And as they should, because no one should be okay with this border. No one should be okay with inflation such as we have seen. No one should be okay with this idea that meritocracy is no longer part of America. Everyone deserves a chance at the American dream. That's why we're here. And we want to preserve it for many, many, many more generations. But if you continue dividing us like this, I really worry. I really do. I want to go out to some of the comments. Great to have you guys here. Mike's asking about Rumble. I am on Rumble. Uh, I think we had a technical issue today because we were supposed to be live on Rumble. And I got a little note here saying not happening. But that's that's not Rumble's fault. That's actually just a a tech thing. Anyway, um, Richard, good to see you. LaDonna as well. Uh, Melanie, I I hear what you're saying. Um, Exactly. Yes. Melanie saying Hillary Clinton just repeated what every person in the U.S. has said about Joe Biden. We are losing our country under Joe Biden. She is using reverse psychology. This is what all of these Democrats are doing to people that go into politics and don't follow what's going on. So they're basically brainwashing them. I think there's a lot of brainwashing going on in this country right now. And it's what we need to actually sort of get a hold of. Right. Because this brainwashing and you think about our youth and the vulnerability of our youth and what they're being exposed to as well, and how, how, you know, it's totally condoned on college campuses to shout about 
Jewish genocide and the idea that they get swastikas that are up in the restrooms at the international building, international affairs building at Columbia University, where I took many a, a class in international affairs. I'm like, what kind of world are we living in? I mean, I know it was a while ago, but you know, I'm not that old. <laughs> anyway, look, it is a huge problem and we've got to get back to basics. So the pendulum has got to swing. They have implanted themselves in academia and not just in sort of higher levels of academia, right? They're in public schools all across the country. And this uh, sort of us versus them mentality is constantly promoted by these politicians who want people to think you don't have a shot without their handouts. And so they've reduced everyone um, to really just, frankly, nothing, because I'm just going to say, I'm not going to get on my soapbox for, forever about this, but I'm going to tell you guys, look, part of becoming a success is believing that you can be a success. If someone tells you from the time you're a little kid, you know what, not happening because you don't check the right boxes. You're not part of that club. After a while, you might just start to believe that. And that's the worst thing you can ever do is destroy someone's confidence or entrepreneurial spirit, or work ethic. Because entrepreneurship, work, creativity, these are the things that make this country great. We will for sure be one of those banana republics very soon if the Rashida Tlaibs and the Ilhan Omars and the fire alarm guy Bowman he pulled a fire alarm, in all seriousness, despite the warning signs, in order to not get a budget passed. If these people get their way. So speak up. Say something. Don't be afraid. They've proven who they are. For goodness sakes, they support terrorists, all right? Like, that should be the awakening for everybody right now. It's good to have you here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please go to the website. Um, to, Apple Podcasts, download the show there if you would, subscribe, all that good stuff. I, I do love seeing you all, and we'll continue this tomorrow. Thank you.